This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. For Inside Carolina, I'm Taylor Vipolis, and you're listening to this podcast, which is a part of the Inside Carolina Podcast Network. So first off, thank you for being here. If you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, go ahead and do that now, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube, so you never miss anything the team at IC puts out. It hardly takes any time, and it helps us out a bunch Speaking of support, we want to support the people that support us. So that's why on this podcast, I have to remind everybody about Jimmy's Famous Seafood. The reason they wanted to sponsor this podcast is simple. They're owned by UNC fans. So not only are you getting ridiculously great seafood at a great price, but you'll also be helping out one of your own. A true win-win. For everybody wondering, my go-to order is the Famous Gift Box, which comes with two massive crab cakes, two different kinds of crab soup, and a half pint of crab dip. Visit them online at jimmysfamousseafood.com and use promo code hashtag GDTBATH at checkout for free two-day shipping. That's promo code hashtag GDTBATH. All right, moving on to the podcast. It's a special one today. Joining me, we've got the OG root in the house, my fellow Carolina football letterman and current UNC cornerbacks coach, Dre Bly. Dre, it's great to see you. I've always wondered, how did the Rude Boys nickname start? Man, I can't even tell you, uh, Taylor, man. It, it was actually, um, I think, when, when Natron and Fig and those guys played back in the, um, it seemed like the 70s, right? But it was, it was actually late 80s or early 90s. Uh, it was something that I think that uh, my strength coach at the time started something where each group, each position had a name. And uh, so they named, like, the linebackers were called the headbangers. Uh, the receivers were called the freaks. Um, can't remember what the O-line was called, but the rule boys was something that uh, that the DBs were called, and it has stuck ever since. And actually since then, they kind of have went away with all of the names for the positions, but the freaks and the rule boys have stuck. And uh, But it was something that I embraced um, even, you know, even after I left Carolina and even today, you know, like when I left to move to Charlotte, um, I called my DBs that I was coaching at Myers Park. I called them the Rude Boys. So Cameron, Roseman, Sinclair was very familiar with, with Rude Boys. But it was something I, I think that was fun and exciting. Uh, I, I think that to, to play defensive back, you have to have a certain personality. You have to think uh, differently, uh, in my opinion, because we are on the island and when we do get beat, the whole world sees it. So, you have to, in some sense, uh, you know, have a reckless mentality, right? And I think Rude Boy fits, Rude Boys fits us well. I saw that out of high school, you considered UNC, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Clemson, and Syracuse. What made you ultimately choose Carolina way back when? Um, well, you know, one of the things, Taylor, and I tell people this, you know, I was a big Carolina basketball fan, which is amazing. And it's something, one of the benefits that we have with going to a school where all sports are, are good. And because I was a big Carolina basketball fan, I always came on TV. Um, you know, uh, the football program with Coach Brown was up and coming. And a lot of people from my area was attracted to the school. And so um, I was able to come to football camp here uh, twice. And when I came my first year, I fell in love with the campus, fell in love with the staff and Coach Brown. And and so it made it, um, it made it, along with the success that it was having uh, football-wise combined with the academics, it made a, a popular choice for me and my family, um, along with, you know, obviously it was important for me to be able to stay close to home. Um, my mother and father went to every game that I've ever played from Little League. And so me being able to look up in the stands and see mom and dad and family members there at the game to help me. Um, accomplish the task at hand and, and play was very important for me. So my dad told me when I was choosing my schools, right, if 
if I was going to pick a school and he wanted us to attend, you need to pick a place uh, where that was, was that wasn't more than four or five hours away. And so, so that also helped Carolina be uh, at the top of my list. But I think the ice on the cake was, was when I had a chance to come and meet coach and visit the campus and, and have a chance to see it firsthand. It kind of made it in favor from, from day one. Yeah, they weren't coming up to Syracuse. No, absolutely no way they were not. making that trip. Before, a- absolutely not. Before we talk more football, I have to ask, how good was Dre Bly, the baseball player? Because I've seen reports that you could have went pro in baseball as well. Uh, I mean, well, I felt like I, I felt like I was pretty, you know, you know, this is the thing as as a as a, a kid coming out of high school, I was a four sport guy. I ran track and played baseball. So back during that time, I tell people all the time, if you was an African American and you were fast in baseball, that kind of made you a hot commodity. And, and that's what I was. You know, I was a lefty hitter. I was a slap, a slap hitter. And I was a guy that could track any ball in the outfield. And so uh, at the end of the day, if you know, you, you, I mean, you would know that I was, you know, kind of athletic as a baseball uh, or just as a football player. So back then, if you had any sort of athleticism, you know, they'd teach you everything that you need to know. And so um, I was an all-state baseball player as a junior. And a good thing that uh, I guess what helped me get my exposure, Taylor, I had a pitcher that got drafted my junior year and we were pretty good. And so people coming to see him, right. They saw the little leadoff hitter who was a slap hitter. And every time I got on base, I stole bases. And, and so, um, so yeah, that's what it was. I could have played. I feel like, you know, mostly everybody that recruited me for football said I could play baseball like Clemson. um, You know, they said I could play baseball as well. So I was ranked, so back during my time, the Virginia Commonwealth Games was the best of the best, right? It was top stuff. And I was selected to play on the Virginia Commonwealth team, which was up in uh, Roanoke at the time. And uh, it might have been West Virginia, somewhere up there. But um, I played in that. And um, and so from that point on, when I ran a fast 60 time and I did well at those games, it kind of put me on the radar a little bit. You redshirted your first year at Carolina. How was that adjustment for you when you were so used to being the best athlete on the field to now you're on the sideline watching all of a sudden? It was hard. It was it was tough, you know, because athletically, again, I just felt like I can do things. You know, I've always been, you know, I was blessed to be able to do things at an early age that a lot of guys couldn't do. Uh, so it was hard because I was that guy, but I, I quickly uh, knew that, okay, these guys were a whole lot bigger than what I was, right? Not only were they big, but they were just as fast. They were equally as fast as I was. And so I, so physically I knew I wasn't where I needed to be. And, uh, but still, that still was hard to process because I was a guy that always loved to play. And I just felt like athletically I can do things that guys couldn't do. But it was just a matter of me trusting the process, right? Um, understanding, you know, what Coach Brown and the staff had for me at the time. And, 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 but it, it did get tough throughout my freshman because the guy that I came in with, I was the number two player coming out of Virginia when I came out. And Robert Williams, Williams was the number one corner in North Carolina. And he actually um, chose, chose Carolina over Florida State, but he was like the number two player in North Carolina. So, um, and, it, and the DB coach at the time recruited him. So uh, we were both were talented guys equally in the same class, I felt. And, um, when they were struggling defensively or at that position had some injuries back in 1995, Robert got his opportunity before I did. And I, I felt some type of way about it because I was competitive, but he was rightfully deserving, you know, because he was a good player as well. And I felt some type of way about it. I was very competitive, but I got a little upset. So I went to coach the next day and told coach, I wanted to switch to receiver because Carolina had recruited me as an athlete. Virginia Taylor recruited me strictly as a receiver. Right. I was um, MVP in the Virginia All-State game my senior year as a receiver. I was first team All-State as a receiver my senior year. And so Virginia recruited me as a receiver. Tech and the rest of the schools recruited me as an athlete. And uh, so I wanted to switch to receivers because I felt like my chances of playing and getting on the field would be better at receiver because we had a lot of guys. Uh, Robert Williams was the number one corner in North Carolina. And then we had some some red show freshmen that was older than me that was kind of the position. And so what Mac Brown, what Coach Brown told me, he said, Dre, um, I appreciate you coming to me. And, um, you know, I understand that you're frustrated. And, um, you know, but I'm going to tell you this. We're going to move some guys around next year. You know, we're very aware of what we have. 
Uh, you know, we're excited about the future for you at this position, but we're going to move some guys around and uh, which will allow you and Robert Williams to have a chance to compete for, for the starting spots, right? Side by side, right? And so when he told me that, with me being the competitor that I am, I was like, cool, right? And then the other thing too, Taylor, yeah, at that time, the bigger receiver was like, like a 5'9 corner at the time was cool, right? But I felt like with my hands and my ability to, to play on the ball, I felt like I could do either one. And so, I, but I decided to stay at the corner position and it worked out. And um, the following year, you know, I had a chance to compete for the spot and I won it in spring ball. And uh, even though I won in spring ball, they still didn't uh, give it to me or at least announce that I was starting until we, after the first week of fall camp. And then once you got that starting summer camp, I'm sorry. Once you got that starting spot, you certainly made it was over. It It was over. It it was. It was. Yeah. It was. It was no looking back. It was over. And so, um, eleven interceptions as a redshirt freshman. What was that like in the moment? And how didn't quarterbacks learn faster not to challenge you? Well, well, first of all, Taylor. So when people talking about my interceptions, right, my first year. Um, I, you know, if you mess up my numbers or my statistics, um, I correct you. So I had 13, Taylor. I got two in the bowl. Um, and, you oh. know, bowls didn't count back oh, then. that's wild. So bowls, bowls didn't count back then, Taylor. But I got two against West Virginia in the bowl game. So to answer your question, what was it like getting that 13? It, it, was, it, was, it was the best feeling you can ever have. And I tell people, like, it's like when Kobe Bryant, you know, when he hit 81 points, right? It's like everything that he threw up was going in and he was in a zone, right? It's one of those, like Stephen Curry, when he's scoring 60 points and he every three that he throws up goes in. That's what it was with playing on the defense that I played on, having the pass rushes that I had. Um, because I played with first rounders and such great players on my defense, uh, it just made my job easy. And what I did probably better than anybody that played my position was catch the ball. Right, because of my receiver skills, and um, but it was an amazing feeling, man. And um, and even though I didn't get me the balls, because Robert Williams on the other side, Taylor, he had twenty seven breakups. He led the country in breakups. You know what I'm saying? And, and I tell people this all the time. I made the plays. Yeah, I had the the picks, but Robert Williams. You know, I tell people all the time. He's the best cover corner that ever go to Carolina, right? Uh, and I and I feel that you know I I just happen to be I was a you know I, I had the the better career, you know, I made the most plays, you know. Uh, but as far as playing that position, there was no better corner to ever play that game, in my opinion, at North Carolina, you know, and just covering guys, blanking the guys than Robert Williams. And so, um, but yeah, man, it was it was like, it was like I was like Kobe Bryant on that day, man, Stephen Curry, like everything that went up was mine. And so, but it was definitely a great feeling, bro. And I give all the credit to my support system because, that's what it was for me. Playing with the Greg Ellis's and the Bonnie Holidays, it made my job easy. Yeah, I was going to say it helps tremendously when there is that talent in front of you. And you look at some of your Carolina teams, Ebenezer Ekubon, Russell Davis, Greg Ellis, Bonnie Holiday, Brian Simmons. What was it like playing on some of those defenses where you guys were just churning out high NFL draft picks year after year? Well, well that's hopefully what, what we get into now, right? You know, we we bring in a great, you know, great uh, recruits and, and top top tier guys. And so, again, I talk about the guys that I played with. Um, it made my job easy. One, because we were so competitive. Right. It was like a it was like a contest and practice who can make the most plays like Brian Simmons. If you talk to Brian, Brian, it's, you know, he said he had the best hands on the team. Right. Brian thought he was the best athlete. And that's how it was, Taylor. We were so competitive and. You know a little bit about me. Everybody knows it's no secret that I'm very, very competitive, right? I think I'm a win in everything I, I do, but it wasn't just me that thought like that, Taylor. It was the rest of the guys that I played with. Uh, that's how we functioned. That's how we that's how we got along. That's how we competed. And so that's what it was. And that's why we had so much success. Every single person on that defense played with an air, right? We played with a, a certain amount of confidence that I think that you need to be successful. And because we we played with that confidence. We competed so much in practice. Um, it carried over to the game. And I think that's the reason why we had so much success as a team. And, and, and probably, arguably, you know, the best defense ever to come out of the ACC, right? We were so freaking competitive, man. And, and every time a ball was up, 
we was like competing to see who can get an interception. You know, whenever a ball was on the ground, it was like a race to see who was going to scoop and score, right? And uh, and that's how it was. And because we practiced that way throughout the week, it carried over to Saturday. I have to imagine that when you are a number one corner, the game can get a bit boring at times knowing the ball is not going to come your way. Were there ever times where you would try to bait a quarterback into throwing the ball to you by purposefully playing maybe a step slower or a bit behind the receiver? Absolutely. Absolutely. But this is the thing, though, Taylor, like, again, you couldn't run the ball on us, right? I mean, I'm just telling you, they had to. And this other thing, too, you asked, well, how do people continue to throw the ball to you? Well, again, the guy on the other side, right, you can't complete the pass on him, right? We had the number one run defense in college football. You know, you had first rounders lined all across the front line and at the linebacker position. So it was like you had to pick your poison. So what we're going to do, the quarterback going to drop back, close his eyes and throw the ball as far as he could throw because he had them dogs coming after him, right? And so that's what it was. And so in some sense, yeah, like, and I tell people this, like I didn't really get good, in my opinion, to the second year. I was just a young freshman just out there running around with a, a ton of ability, but because I played with such great players, I was able to get away uh, with probably not so good technique, right? And, you know, I can be out of position. And, and But because of my God-given ability to play the ball and intercept the ball, you know, it kind of it, it made up for uh, some of my inabilities technique-wise, right? And so, but that's the beauty with playing with, such great teammates and you know what we are trending to and building to now with the recruits that we're bringing in that's that's ultimately you know like the plan and the focus you know for us and and definitely me being a part of it you know over 20 some years ago that's all I envision when you when you talk about Carolina football right so that's why I'm I'm emphasizing the importance of what we do um, as a cornerback position because of what I was able to play with back when I was in school you were blessed with the physical tools, yet you were always a student of the game, studying on how you could get any advantages. Then you also brought a tremendous amount of swagger anytime you touched the field. As one of the best to ever do it, and now someone whose job it is to identify talent at the position, what are you looking for in elite corners? Well, you know, first and foremost, um, I just want an athlete, right? I I, I just think because of the day of time, not many guys are playing multiple sports. Again, I told you I played four sports. I was an all-state baseball player, so I could track the ball. Like, I did that in high school, having 17 inceptions. I had 22 in college, I had 43 in the NFL. That's what I look for, right? I want a guy that can play the football. So I care less what you do at the cornerback position. If I'm looking at a highlight tape, Taylor, if you, ain't got, if you don't have the ball in here, that's a problem, right? I go on to the next highlight tape. And so that's what I look for in a player. I look for a guy that has the ball in his hand and somebody that can move and quick and move that that can move and that is quick, right? Uh, but most importantly, I want to see what the player can do with the ball in his hand because to me, that tells everything about the athlete. And if I can see that, then I can teach you everything else that you need to know. You had back-to-back top 10 finishes and three consecutive bowl victories and at the same time in the late 90s Carolina basketball had Vince Carter, Antoine Jamison, Ed Cota, Shimon Williams. What was campus like back then with those two sports on top of the college world? Off the chain right and it was crazy man like and I I tell my guys now like uh, I truly feel like that's what it's going to get back to once this thing open up because the excitement that we had. I came to school with Vince Antoine like we were the same year the same class and um, and I was a big Carolina basketball fan. So, um, you know, I'm, I was like, uh, uh, you know, like when you were around those guys, you know, when I first got around them, you know, I was I ain't gonna say I was starstruck, but, you know, I'm like, wow, you know, that's, you know, and that's probably most of our feeling when you get around at Carolina basketball. Right. But after a while, once you see how cool those guys were and are, uh, you kind of settle down. And but campus was jumping, man, like. You know, you know, some of the things that Vince was able to do, you know, we was in Final Fours. We just won a natty in 93. Um, so campus was jumping. And then to have a football program, right, that was on the rise and what Matt Coach Brown was building, uh, you know, us going 10-2, 11-1, it was, it was just as – it was crazy. I, mean, I tell people this all the time, joking, but 
you couldn't tell me that I wasn't hotter than Vince Carter. That, that was just my mindset, Taylor. Like, I had 13 picks my first year. We were, <laughs> we were 10-2, and two, Taylor. We had three, four All-Americans on our team. So you couldn't tell us that we weren't as hot as the basketball team. And even though we weren't, right, because it's curling the basketball, but that was the mindset that we had, right? They raised the bar. You know, basketball raised the bar. The bar was up here. I should, I want to be up there too. You know what I'm saying? So that was that was the standard, which I think is important, which is amazing, right? But I wanted to be just as good as Vince. You know, I wanted to, I want I wanted my name to be mentioned along the same lines and you know, the same sentence with Vince Carter and Antoine Jameson. So that was the standard for me. And I think any anybody playing this game, you got to set the bar high, right? Deion Sanders was a guy that I idolized and looked up to. And, you know, so whenever I stepped on the field, you know, I, I want to be mentioned amongst some of the, 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 you know, when it's all said and done, I want to be mentioned amongst one of the, the best players. And so if you don't have those standards, then you're cutting yourself short. And, but that was the culture that Mac Bryan had created. And if I didn't think that way, Taylor, then I'm letting my teammates down. You were the first two-time consensus All-American at UNC. You were the first freshman defensive player in college football history to earn consensus first-team All-American honors. You set an ACC record at the time with 20 interceptions. You were the only player in conference history to earn first-team All-America honors in their first three seasons. You're Super Bowl champ, a two-time Pro Bowler. You've been retired now for a minute. What is it like for you to look back and realize all that you've accomplished? I mean, it's, 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 again, like, when I look back on some of the things that I've done, and I really, like, I like, when I was that, when I was younger, you know, I played with an edge, and, you know, I had a little swag to me. Some will say I was cocky, but really, like, you had, for me to be 5'9", five, 5'10", five, do some of the things that I did, I had to think a certain way, right? Else I wasn't going to get it done. But um, in my later years, I've, uh, you know, I've become humble, right? But... You know, to sit back and look back, you know, this is the thing as you get older, you kind of forget some of the things that you've done. Uh, like people, people still might think that I got a swag and an air about me, which, you know, in a sense that I do, right? I, I do, you have to. But really, uh, like I'm really grateful. And but I, you know, like I say, wow, like I, I really had a like when you hear people compliment you sometimes or say some of the things that you did. Like it, it kind of sits home a little bit and, 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 and it's a pretty cool feeling, man. Like, because like, I still feel like I left some plays out there on the field. Right. I feel like it was things, more things I could have done. Like I went second round. I feel like I should have been first round. Like I, I get disappointed sometimes in like my last year, right. Uh, things I could have done a little bit better. Um, my first year I won a Super Bowl where I lost one in 2001. Uh, to Tom Brady, right, the greatest player ever to play the game. I felt like if I could have made a play or two in that game, you know, playing on the greatest show on turf, we could have won our second our second Super Bowl, started our dynasty, and not let Tom Brady start his dynasty, right? So those are some of the things that I kicked myself with, right? Uh, I played in a couple of Pro Bowls. Uh, like if I could have made a couple more plays, I felt like I could have played in four Pro Bowls, right? So those are things that you kind of – uh, kick yourself with, but all in all, Taylor, man, when I look back on what I've done and, and here's some of the lives I've been able to impact and some of the people that, that were fans of, of my play, like, I'd be like, wow, bro. Like that's, that's pretty cool to hear it, man. And, uh, and it makes me, it makes me appreciate the people that was in my life, like coach Brown, uh, my coaches, coach Ron Case, uh, Mike Mark, some of my teammates, Brian Simmons, the guys that helped me get to where I've gotten to. And so I'm definitely grateful. I'm appreciative, man. Uh, it's a blessing. And so it's, it's pretty cool, man. It's, you know, again, like I got a chance to coach my nephew, right? My nephew get a chance to play for his uncle. Uh, some of the kids that I've had a chance to impact coaching, you know, when I moved to Charlotte, uh, my kids having a chance to, to, you know, to see, you know, what their dad have done at the University of North Carolina and hear about some of the things um, that I've done. It's pretty cool, bro. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
What did it mean to you to get elected to the College Football Hall of Fame in 2014 and then the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame in 2017 to where all that hard work gets you that validation and recognition? Uh, it was, that, was, that was pretty cool as well because, again, like when you're done, again, like, and, and most people think this way. I mean, I know every, every good football player, you know, guys that have had success, they always feel like they could have done more, right? Torrey Holt was one of my best friends, right? Uh, he's going to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame real soon. But, you know, we, we always think about things that we could have done differently, right? Plays, a, a few more plays that we could have made. When you get that call uh, about you being rewarded for some of the things that you've done, man, it, it's, it's the best feeling in the world. It kind of brings you back to remind you, okay, you did pretty good, bro. There's no need to be ashamed or or feel like, you know, you didn't do enough because you did, right? And, um, and so it's, it's a great feeling because it, it affirms you. Um, and so anytime a player is affirmed, that's the best feeling in the world. That's why I'm constantly affirming my guys. You know, my players need to hear when they do well uh, because I think that's the best feeling in the world. And it's okay to be, to, to, to accept, uh, um, you know, compliments and for people to tell you how well you've done. So it, it was pretty cool again, to, to get that phone call from the College Football Hall of Fame and, and also for the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, those guys recognizing me for some of the things and some of the, the work that I've done. The college one I know is extra special with how proud you are to be a Tar Heel. You've donated money before for scholarship endowments, and I remember from my playing days, you were always on the sideline with a guy like Algie Crumpler at our games. What does Carolina just mean to you? It means everything to you, man. Um, you know, that's the reason why I gave money back as soon as I left, because I was one of those guys that was so appreciative and honored that I was given an opportunity to come to the University of North Carolina. But somebody had to give in order for me to have that opportunity. And so I told myself, when the tables turned, if I was ever put in position, I was going to do the same thing that was done for me. And so, um, but again, man, you know, me talking about my love for my alma mater at a young age, um, that's why I always came back, right? I'm so grateful to be a part of the fraternity, uh, of being a Tar Heel, the brotherhood, um, you know, having a chance to play for Coach Brown, um, being one of, you know, his players, um, having a chance to be a uh, part of the staff and, and some of the, the greats of all time at the University of North Carolina. It's, it's definitely an honor, man. I, I, hold, I hold it close to my heart, and I wear it proudly, man. And that's the thing, like, uh, you know, why I do some of the things I do, because I was put in a position, right, and I need to tell my story, right? And I don't think anything is wrong with that. You know, people, for anybody to try to follow you and they try to, you know, I, I say be better than you, they need to know what you've done. Right. And um, and so but yeah, man, I wear it proudly. Now, I'm going to tell my story and the story of my peers and the things that we've done, because in order to get this thing back to where we need to get to, they need to hear it. How does that help when you go out recruiting now that the dream you're selling to recruits is one that you've already lived? I think it, I think it helps tremendously, man. I, I was telling coach, you know, I'm, I'm like Coach Brown is like one of my biggest mentors. He's you know, he's and I, I don't say this. I'm not selling when I say this, right? He's, he's like a father figure to me. And, you know, sometimes, you know, people in this game, you know, they, they're going to give you some candy and tell you some lies, right, because it sounds good. But everything that I speak, everything that I dish out is real. And so uh, coach having a chance to, to impact lives and me having a chance to be on that staff along with my fellow Tar Heels, I think it does miracles for our program. Uh, one, mom and dads know that their son – would be would, would instantly be impacted by the man that they play for. And the reason why they knew that because they can look at the staff and see that they have people on that staff that was just like their son, right? Playing for the man that my son is coming to play for right now. And so I think that speaks volumes. And so when Coach Hyde Natron means, I was, I was, I was the, the happiest camper because I told Coach, I said, Coach, you don't realize, but you hiring your former players, and, and you can't probably hire a, a whole staff of former Tario football players, but um, you can place them in different places on the staff, right? But it does miracles, right? But they also got to be qualified, too. But it does miracles 
for his program, man. And, uh, and, but that's who Coach Brown has been, not only in North Carolina, but in Texas. Uh, and so I, I just think that's what separates our program from some of the other programs. And, uh, and I'm going to tell the story. What was your first reaction when you heard that Mac Brown was coming back to Chapel Hill? Well, I was, I was you know, I, I kind of was hearing some of the rumblings. Um, you know, I came and spoke um, that summer prior to Coach Fedora leaving because uh, I think he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. So we had a, a, a deal for him in Chapel Hill with myself and Jeff Saturday. And I think it might have been um, Brian Simmons or Dwight Hyer. I think we spoke. It might have been Alger Crump. We spoke on coach behalf in front of a panel of boosters. And so, but I was hearing some of the rumblings um, about coach coming back. And so I was excited because I just knew that that was going to be instant credibility. Um, I knew he was going to be able to reconnect the dots and, and, and be able to bring some of the former players back just to be a part of the program. And not on a coaching staff or on staff, but just, having them around in the building. And, and, and I know, like, you know, I was always coming back, you know, when I was in the league and even when I retired. But everybody felt like it was some guys that felt like they couldn't come back, right, because there was a, a disconnect, um, you know. And that's how it is sometimes where, where coaches leave and all the players, you know, some of the older tradition guys don't have a connect with the newer tradition or some of the new staff members. But I knew Coach – was going to be able to reconnect the dots. You know, I was a guy that kind of, you know, I'm, I'm a friendly guy, so I'm a brotherly guy, right? So I, I don't care what generation that you played in, I'm going to reconnect dots and make you feel welcome. So I knew I was going to be able to help with that. But coach getting hired back, man, I knew those dots would get reconnected, which, you know, you guys have been able to see. Yeah, I feel like that is something that fans don't truly understand. Like it goes beyond just getting tickets to games. It's just like, that feeling of wanting to come back and feeling that you are wanted. So I'm glad you did mention that point, but how soon after Mac coming back, did he reach out to you for an interview for a spot? And what was the moment like when you were offered the job? Um, so I don't know if you knew, I, I had interviewed the year before, right. And coach was, was played a tremendous role in that uh, with me having a chance to mentor for Fedora and his staff. And, you know, everything happened for a reason. But also, when Gene Chizik was here, it might have been some years before that, coach had set up a meet for me to meet with Gene. Because, you know, I wanted, at that time, through what I was doing in Charlotte, I knew that coaching was my calling. So I was diving ahead first, you know. And so um, what happened was when coach um, got that call, um, I had already been hearing that he might get that call. But I had signed to go coach. You know, because I had did the internships with the uh, Miami Dolphins and the New Orleans Saints the, the two summers before. And then I also coached in the NFL PA Bowl under Mike Marks. He hired me to coach that following, um, it might have been that that winter, the winter before coach got hired. Um, and so Mike Marks had hired me to go coach, to be his DB coach in the AAF for the San Diego Fleet. And so I was excited about that, man. I was just looking for opportunity. I was just – you know, I was after I didn't get the job at Carolina the year before. Um, you know, I just wanted the opportunity because I knew that this was my calling. But I knew it was going to be some guys who was going to be a little skeptical of me coaching and didn't know how, didn't know because didn't know how it would pan out because the stereotype of us as former athletes is just you know you know there's some questions about us in the coaching right. Those guys thinking if we're if we all in right and so which I understand. But I didn't hang my head. I didn't get mad at Fedora, those guys. I just went back to the drawing boards and, and took the first opportunity that I had. And when Coach got that call, um, I think I sent the text. But Coach already knew, you know, where I was and, and knew that I wanted to come at Carolina. The boosters was in my favor as well. I had a lot of Carolina supporters that wanted me back as well. Um, Bubba already knew I wanted to come back. So it was already kind of like, I mean, you have been hearing. Dre wanted to come back. Dre wanted to coach. Hi, Dre. Right. They knew how involved I was in Charlotte, but I didn't I didn't get too emotional. I understood. And so when coach got hired, I just shot him a text. Congratulations. He hit me back. And typically, you know, when you get coach probably had over 2000 text messages. So I knew that he was going to be uh, swamped. And, and um, so it really wasn't nothing that I need to say to coach because coach already knew he'd been following me on social media. He knew everything that I was doing. Right. 
And um, and so shortly after he got that call, um, I got a call from Corey Holiday and asked if I can be in Chapel Hill the next day after his press conference, right? So I was one of his first phone calls. And um, if I can be in Chapel Hill tomorrow, tomorrow morning, I said, I'm there, right? So uh, I prepared, I got on the phone, made sure I was ready for the interview, uh, got my suit and I showed up the next morning and I got there eight o'clock. So at that time, coach didn't decide on what he would, you know, like he had to meet, he had to have exit meetings with the current staff. Right. So, um, I was basically waiting in the equipment room, <laughs> you know, with my suit on my bag, you know, I, I'm just like, what's going on? Like, so court, they just told me to wait downstairs. And so after coach got done, he called me up, told me X, Y, Z. Uh, he asked me how was my background and, 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 you know, the various things, but coach had already knew that I was, you know, that he felt like I was qualified. He felt like he, you know, he wanted me on with him. Um, so he already knew. Right. And, um, and so he asked me, he told me, you know, coach is straight to it. Right. It, you know, five minutes, bro. Um, and he said, how you feel? I said, shoot coach. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. And that was it. The rest is history. As a Carolina guy, how much more motivation did it give you to come back seeing the program struggling while also knowing the potential the program has when you have seasons like 1997 and even more recently, 2015? I mean, that that, that was my motivation, bro, because, again, you know, I tell people all the time, that means the world to me that my fellow Tarians such as yourself uh, can, can, can be proud, right? And, and on, on football Saturdays, you know, you proud to watch your Tar Heels you know, when you go into the bar, you, you're not disappointed every time you leave. You know, my brotherhood, they happy about what's going on with Carolina football, even though that's hard at times because, you know, those jokes are so critical. But that meant everything to me, Taylor, man. Um, and making sure that our community, our Tar Heel family was happy and proud of what we were doing. So that meant the world to me. And I knew that with my involvement and my personality and, you know, based on, what God has called for me to do. And that's socialize and talk, right? Uh, and me tell my story. I knew that I was going to be able to, you know, be instant credibility for, for Coach Brown because he is the reason, played a tremendous role in where I am today, right? And all the success that I've had. And so me telling that single-handedly was going to open up doors, right? I, I knew I could go in any house in North Carolina, Taylor, and mom and dad's going to be able to resonate with me because of what I did at University of North Carolina. I'm going to go, I can go in any house in Virginia, Taylor. And because of what I did at the University of North Carolina and Virginia, that I'm going to open up, people going to hear me out. I can go anywhere in Georgia. You know, more than likely, uh, you know, they've heard Dre Black from playing football. So I, I knew that I was going to be able to benefit with what God has called for me to do throughout my life, which was going to be an advantage point for us. With your hire, the concern, I guess, was that you had no college coaching experience. How much did it help to be around coaches like Coach Thig and Coach Bateman, where you could lean on them for some of that experience as you got more comfortable? Oh, uh, it was it was big, man. You know, Coach Thig and Coach Bateman, and um, you know all the coaches, Coach Searles and 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 Coach Gillespie before he left. Uh, me being around guys, Tim Cross, me being around guys that have been coaching for years was amazing, right? Because everything was going 130 miles per hour when I got hired. Uh, me having no clue the schedule. And I was, shoot, I was calling Matt just about every day. And Coach Brown said, Dre, you can't call me, man. Like, <laughs> call thee. Like, do not call me asking me simple questions, right? Call thee. Call Jay Baby. Do not call <laughs> me, right? And so I didn't know. I, shoot, I thought you called the head coach. I didn't know Taylor. But I had to learn fast that, you know, like I couldn't call coach. I, you know, it was it was a person uh, like called Jeremy. Right. It, it was everybody. There, there was a, a person in charge of everything that which, you know, I had to learn fast. Right. You know, and I think having with coach putting that a veteran staff around me, guys that have been coaching for years, helped the process tremendously, man. And so it kind of made my job easy when you when you're around other veteran coach and guys that are good at what they do, it allowed me to, to be able to do what I do well, which is, is have fun, talk, and, 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 and be energetic, right? And so um, it kind of made my process and the progression easy.
people doubted Mac Brown coming back to coach from ESPN. People doubted coach Longo coming from Ole Miss. People doubted you having no college coaching experience, knowing you, you mentioned you're a competitive person. How has that chip on the shoulder fueled not just yourself, but the program as a whole? I mean, I, but it, I don't think it's fueled the, the, the program, right? I, I think each coach in itself, you know, they have their own chip, right? And I think Coach Brown has done a tremendous job in hiring guys that are qualified, guys that he know. You know, Coach Brown did his research. You know, Coach Bateman is just as competitive as I am. You know, Phil Longo, you know, he he bring an air about him. I love it. Like, it's very similar to Mike Marks. You know, I tell him that all the time. Like, and I think the call plays, you got to think a certain way. And you, and, and, and you got to have a mentality that I don't care. Like, I if I want to throw the ball 100 times, I'm going to throw 100 times. If I want to run it 150 times, I'm going to run it 150 times. And I think, you know, Jay Bateman, same thing with him. If I want to blitz 200 times, I'm going to blitz 200 times. So I think for us to be successful, and you, you, Coach Brown had to hire the people that he hired, right? So I don't think I fueled the staff. I just think uh, he's put together guys that feed off of each other's energy, right? I think um, I feed off of the other guys' energy, and I think they feed off my energy. I was out at the scrimmage on Saturday and I love watching you at practices specifically because you'll get out there and you teach by showing the players exactly what you're looking for by doing it yourself. How much does that help when you can connect to the players in that way? I mean, it helps a lot, you know, and I think that's another advantage point in me uh, and, and me being able to grab a top corner. I, I feel like there's not a corner I can't get because one, I can run better than probably any other college coach out there. Um, I can still move. I got better hands than every college coach is out there and I can get out there demonstrating. Right. And so uh, I think it is an advantage point for me uh, and I'm going to use it to my advantage because that's the thing that coach Brown emphasized to talk about. Right. Uh, it's not just what we do verbally, you know, get out there and show them. And if they don't understand, we need to show them. And so I think that is, um, it is what it is, but I think it's good if you got a coach that can demonstrate, and, 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 and show the technique that you're asking those guys to use. Before you, there had been a ton of turnover in that cornerback room where you had four coaches in five years. How do you think that stability you've provided has fostered a better environment to where it is one consistent voice and everybody clearly understands the expectations moving forward? Well, I think with me, I think the boys will understand the brotherhood. So that was one of the first things, you know, like, with everything going 130 miles per hour the first year I got here, it was it was three things that was very important for me. Uh, I, I couldn't take on everything, right, because I would have lost my mind trying to do everything that that Thidpen does or Coach Bateman does. Uh, I was going to make sure that my corners knew their responsibility so they weren't going to bust assignments. I was going to make sure that we competed better than anybody else out there. Uh, and then I was going to make sure the guys embraced the brotherhood, right? So if you get those three components, the guys can respect you. So I'm going to manage my room. There's no issue with me managing my guys because the guys going to respect the brotherhood. If they don't do anything else, they're going to respect my brotherhood, our brotherhood, right? And so uh, because of that and how I interact with my guys, uh, there wasn't going to be an issue uh, with the managing of my room. And, and just our, you know, just the team, man, like the brotherhood is important to me. Right. And uh, so that wasn't going to be an issue. So when you, I think as players and I and I can attest to this as well, as a player, if you know the coach had your best interest and everything that he's shooting you is legit and genuine, then they run through a wall for you. Right. Uh, but if they think at any point that they give you some candy, tell you a bunch of lies and they don't have your best interest and they end it for themselves, then you know, they ain't going to run through a wall for you, right? And that's the one reason why I think guys run through a wall for Coach Brown because he's very honest. He doesn't bite his tongue. He tell you when you stink and he tell you when you're doing good, right? And he's going to try to make sure that you have everything and more that you're supposed to have. And if you got all of those things, Taylor, you can get anything and more from your players. And so I do believe that. And so that's why my room, I think this team, we having so much fun. Uh, we having so much um, success is because the guys trust what we're, you know, what we're telling those guys to do. Since you've been back, the cornerbacks have gone from a huge question mark to a strength of the team. How have you seen the position group evolve to where they're now taking on that identity that you're looking for? Well, we, we confident, right? And that's the thing that I think that uh, we lack, 
Uh, we very confident. We loose. We 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 cocky. You know, we mean. We rude. You know what I'm saying? And and I think you know again, that's what we had in in the '90s. That's what we had on some of Butch teams. You know, uh, when they had those good defenses, right? Um, you know, even before, you know, when Fedora had some good defenses as well. Um, that's I think that's what we lacked. We didn't have as much of um, prior to me getting here. And um, and so but I wanted those guys to be loose and, and partly because of that, because they didn't have no stability at the coaching position. You know, Patrice, when they had, I was just fourth DB coach. And so it's hard. It's hard to run through a wall for a guy that, you know, is leaving the next year. And then you got another guy. You got all these changing moving parts coming in. Well, me, I'm part of the brotherhood. So at the end of the day, I'm going to be part of the brotherhood for life, right? So they're going to run through a wall for me. And there was going to be no doubts and no issues with that. The confidence helps, but also the increase in talent level helps too, where you can bring in five-star talent like Tony Grimes, where you're now able to win recruiting battles against the traditional powerhouses like Georgia and Ohio State. What do you remember most from Tony's recruitment? Um, I mean, I shoot, I was on the phone with his dad every night, right? And, um, and, and, and partly so, you know, I had to prove to his dad and his mom that uh, everything that I was telling them was, was real and that we can be a national program. Um, I had to sell that to him, you know, like sell Coach Brown, sell myself, right? Because that that's what the haters were saying. You know, Carolina's a basketball school. Dre ain't never coach. Dre don't know what he's doing. Uh, you know, Coach Bateman, um, you know, he this, you know, Thin Pen is that. You know, that's that's what the haters were saying. You know, you, you can't be a top 15 or a national guy, you know, going to the University of North Carolina. So I had to sell, you know, why he could be you know, why it made sense, why sh he should trust me and coaching his son. And so it was it was daily that I had to, and I knew that it was going to be big for, uh, not for me only because, again, I'm very confident what I can do. So if I missed on him, shoot, I was going to get the next one. That's my mindset. And I'm not afraid to go recruit a big fish, right? But it was important for the direction of our program and uh, so that's that's what was motivation for me. Uh, he made Tony made it cool, in my opinion, for, uh, you know, the Keyshawn Silvers and the Ritzy and some of the guys that we're going to get leading up to this point. Uh, that set the tone, in my opinion. Uh, and so that's why we're going to be able to recruit, in my opinion. And it wasn't it, it wasn't just me. Right. You know, Mac played a tremendous role. Coach Bateman played a tremendous role in. in uh, and, you know, telling his scheme. Um, so I, I think, I think, you know, it was a, co a collaboration to, to, you know, to who we are as a team and as a staff. I had heard about how Tony looked like a deer in the headlights when he first got to campus. What were some of, <laughs> what were some of those early days like? And when did you see that switch flip to where he was putting everything together? Well, you know, and this is the thing with Tony, because I knew that everybody was going to be on his back about, you know, when he was going to play, right? And, you know, that's one of the other things that people were saying, you know, like if you're a five star, you need to go to Georgia. Right. You need to be playing, you know, throughout the whole year. You know, people back home in VA were hating. You know, you need to go to this school. Carolina don't know what to do with a five star. But the one thing I would say about Tony and Glover, they trusted me. Right. And I told him, I said, I got you. Right. I'm not going to put you out there uh, when you're not ready. Uh, and you got to earn your keep. You got to earn your spot. And but I knew that because of our relations and me being from you know, us being from the same neck of the woods, um, he knew that I had him. But the biggest thing with Tony was, you know, everything was going 130 miles per hour for him as well when he first got there. Him being a high school high school kid, uh, him coming into an offense where, you know, the tempo is so fast. Um, college game is way faster than high school anyway, but times 10 without offense, right? So everything was – I mean, he was reckless driving, bro. I mean, it was just – I mean, he was breaking all sorts of rules and violations on the football field because it was so fast, Taylor. So once he was able to slow the game down and process it, right, uh, I knew it was going to be fine because the kid is talented, right? And um, I felt like it was. It might have been around – if you know, you, you were seeing signs of it probably after the first month or so 
of his ability. I mean, we knew that he had talent, but you didn't really start seeing signs of it until probably after the first month. But we knew that he was going to be special um, if he trusted the process and allowed it to happen. And he did. And that's why he's in the position that he is now, he's in now because he trusted the process. He allowed all of the people that were supposed to help him, help him from the strength coaches to the nutritionists to uh, his, his study hall teacher, you know, his, his tutors to, to coach Brown, to myself, to coach Bateman. And so uh, now nah, it, it was, it's a joy to see him as a, as a early enrollee a year early right for him to be doing as well as he's doing the dream for Carolina is to get back to the national stage and compete for national titles in your opinion how close is the program to doing that and what is it going to take to get over the hump and get to that level we there now Taylor we coming home boy and and, um I think it it started with Sam he was you know he he set the tone right and then you know some of those other guys coming in behind him but you know when you got your spinner you always got a shot and, you know, Coach Brown and the staff have been able to put together, you know, a good group of guys. And you wonder, I want, I lost a Super Bowl to a team, a Tom Brady, who, in my opinion, wasn't as talented as the St. Louis Rams and all the Hall of Fames that we had on defense. So it's not the most talented team that wins. Uh, it's the team that believes and buy in and work the hardest and the team with the best camaraderie that is able to, to, to horse a, a trophy, right? To to win the, the the big the big dance, and so I knew Coach Brown was going to be able to get that out of his guys. And so soon as as soon as I took the job, I knew within a matter of a year that we was going to be right right back to where you know where it was when I you know when I left Carolina. So it was you guys and all the the spectators and the fans that were that in my opinion that was kind of trying to figure out where we were going. But I knew because I knew. I knew the caliber of man that I was playing for, and I knew his capabilities based on uh, what I was able to see when I was in college and based on what I was able to experience in the NFL. It's not the most talented team that wins, right? It helps tremendously, right? But it's not the most talented team. So I knew that we were going to be dialed in and we were going to be prepared and we were going to be confident and we were going to have fun. And when you have those components, you get results. Dre, thank you for taking the time and talking with me today. Always appreciate it and hope we could catch up at the spring game. No doubt, my boy. Good to see you, man. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.